Amen. Okay, what a great day. I love Easter Sunday, I love Good Friday, I love our Good Friday service and um, again this year, just really nice, you know, we gather together, we're reflecting on Jesus' death and today we're thinking about his resurrection, that fullness of the Easter story is here and I don't know what it was but last night I had some really weird dreams that were not great Um, but on top of that, I had this amazing sense of well-being this morning. I just woke up and I was just like, wow, Jesus rose from the dead for me. That's just amazing. He died for me. He rose from the dead. This is such an important part of that story of, of for, for us as Christians that Jesus overcame death. And I love what Sue read this morning. You know, in Hebrews it says, well, actually, you know, God delivered him from death. And we're like, yeah, but he died. Yeah, but he died didn't have to stay dead. God rose him up from the dead through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the spirit that now works in us. And, and I think that's what just excited me this morning. I was like, I just don't believe it. You know, I do believe it, obviously, but I just can't believe it. How about that? How could this be possible that, that even though I was such a you know, wretched person, really, without Jesus Christ, without that sense of peace, without the sense of hope in my life, the death of Jesus Christ has now changed things for me because he rose again from the dead. And he is the first to be resurrected, but all those who follow after him are also resurrected. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that this morning, but first of all, I'm just going to get Barry Kirkham to come up, and he's going to be reading to us uh, just a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture. Um, And it's... It sort of starts off with the walk on this road to Emmaus. So I'll get Barry up. Better grab him a microphone. Oh, he has a big booming voice. He... Yeah. <laughs> and we're reading from Luke uh, chapter 24, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, 
You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe in all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of the journey. Jesus acted as if he were growing on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognised him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, with, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with him, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and they had recognised him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling, talking, telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rose from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Barry. You can put it back. That's all good. I just love that story um, for a number of reasons, but the bit that just cracks me up every time is that, you know, God hid who was with those guys on the road and they're like, oh, you must be the only one who doesn't know what happened. <laughs> they're talking to Jesus who'd just been, you know, beaten, scarred, hung on the cross. And it was like, obviously, Jesus risen from the dead wasn't someone who was still in that state. They would have recognised it straight away. It's one of the myths that, that people said is that, you know, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. He wasn't really dead, but... Here we see in the witnesses that saw Jesus, they weren't looking at a bloody corpse of someone who was beaten and bruised still. He had the scars. 
in his hands and his feet, but he'd risen from the dead. He was given a body, and as he talked to the disciples, he said, no, look, come on, put your hands in here. You can see this isn't a ghost. This is me. I'm risen from the dead. But I was doing research for today, so I was watching Olympic mar- uh, relays and World, World Athletics Championships relays for today. Strange, right? <laughs> but I was thinking about what Jesus had said, and we're going to read a, few, a passage earlier on about someone who starts a work who doesn't finish it. Everyone's going to laugh at them. And so I was watching these relays, and it had the world's worst baton changes and dropping batons and all sorts of stuff like that. Because in my mind, I'm like, did Jesus really finish the race? You know, in, in all honesty, it looked like he'd failed when he went to the cross. We, we talked about it on Friday that, um, you know, he, his disciples had deserted him. He basically hung on that cross alone. And as I was looking at these relays, I, I saw one of Usain Bolt, and this was his very final relay that he was ever going to do. And they didn't drop the baton in it. It was a world championship, and Jamaica's one of the favourites, in fact, the favourite, and he had the last leg to run. He's like, got up to him. They'd run around as fairly even, England and America and, and Jamaica sort of level pegging. They handed the baton to your same bolt, and he took off and did a hamstring or something and just fell on the ground, and he lay there so disappointed, so, I guess, embarrassed that his last ever race was a fail. And I thought, what about Jesus, you know? Like, wasn't that a fail, really? Like, he'd come to earth to, to save everyone. He'd, you know, lived this life, healed people, um, spoke the good news of Jesus Christ. He talked about his death and resurrection. But at the end, there was this total desertion. You know, like, wait a minute, this hasn't worked. We thought Jesus was the Messiah, and, and that's what those guys on that road to Emmaus were saying. They were saying, like, yeah, no, he was a great prophet, you know, he was doing this great message, healing people. But we thought he was the Messiah, but maybe he wasn't. But I don't think the truth had really struck home in the hearts of people that were listening and that, that Jesus said, no, I'm going to actually rise again from the dead. I'm coming back. You see, the work that I'm about to do, going to the cross, is not completed in, in the fact that it is finished. You know, there's one passage in the Bible that says this is the story of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And this was after he'd been dead. Well, what do you mean Jesus began to do and teach? It seemed that, that somehow there was something else that had to happen for the actual work of the cross to be continued on until the day when Jesus Christ comes back again in glory and, and, and takes back what belongs to the Father, the earth, and, and everything that's in it restored back to what it should be and I was wondering who is meant to be taking up that baton you know who is meant to be running Jesus race still and is it possible that Jesus got it wrong that he died and it was actually all pointless because from that moment on nothing else was accomplished nothing else was completed nothing else was done so let's firstly have a look at a scripture Um, And this is Jesus talking in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. So he's talking to the disciples about 
Um, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you're going to have to do. So let, let's have a look. Luke 14, 25 to 33. That slide was good. And if you... What's going on? <laughs> Go that side. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone else would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So Jesus is talking in regards to discipleship, being a disciple. What's the cost going to be for that? But I started to look at this and I thought, what if people thought about that in regard to Jesus? He's saying, you know, I've come, I've come to build the kingdom of God, I'm, I'm here to establish God's kingdom, and then he's dying on the cross. That very very passage that we read out was Jesus talking about someone who started a building and built a foundation and that was it. There was nothing else left. The foundation was built, but the building is finished. And, and very much it looked like that to the world, to the Jewish leaders, to the Romans, even to the disciples that Jesus' work on earth was a big, fat fail. There's a foundation built, but really, had Jesus counted the cost properly, had he been wise in as he set out on this journey to talk about, man, this is going to happen, and of this kingdom there's going to be no end, what was different about this, this death that Jesus was going to do? And we can even see, if we just have a look here, in Matthew 27, verse 40, Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you're the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. Now that isn't exactly what Jesus said. He was talking about the body of his own body, that there would be a time when they destroyed his body and he would raise it again in three days, the death and resurrection. And that was in John 2, 19. But this is exactly what Jesus said would happen to someone who started a building but didn't finish it. Jesus was being mocked, wasn't he? You said this, but this is the truth. You said, Jesus, you were going to be the saviour of the world. But Jesus, this is the truth, you're now hanging on the cross between two criminals. Let's mock you. Let's laugh at you. Because you are the builder that started without knowing the future. You started without the money. But Jesus knew better. You see, that death on the cross and the building of his temple was not based on only him. Jesus died so that we could be also born again, that we could live forever, that we could be resurrected just like he was. Jesus came and began to be the foundation of the church, of what God's work was meant to be. But on top of that, Jesus saw into the future. He saw beyond his death, he saw beyond his resurrection and he looked and he saw those who would believe him in the future. Those people that he would call the living stones. 
that would be placed in the temple of God, which is us as his temple together, living stones built upon that cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let's have a little look at a couple of verses about Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So Ephesians 2, verse 20 and 21. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And five, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You are his living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. This is a truth that we need to know. His blood being shed on the cross was actually not enough. Jesus had to rise again for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is so that he could send the Holy Spirit so that his church could be empowered. The death of Christ brought forgiveness of sin, but the resurrection of Christ brought the power over death. It brought to us this new way of living, a, a regeneration, as you would say, of our spirit and our soul so that we could now be united with God, that we could become living stones on top of that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. You see, the death of Jesus Christ was not the end. It was only the beginning of what God wanted to do on the earth. That is why I love that passage that says, this is the story of what Jesus began to do and teach because he knew what would happen is that as people believed in him, as they, they understood the death on the cross for the forgiveness of their sin and the resurrection so that they could have life again, he could see that out of that was going to come this powerful people known as the church. The people that will continue on the work of Christ on earth until he came again. That's me and you. That's actually very powerful. Let's have a look what happened when Peter saw that Jesus Christ was the Son of God in Matthew 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means a rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The rock was not built on Peter. The rock was built on the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Now Jesus looked and he counted the cost. He knew that he would be able to finish what he had to start. Because he saw that down the road he had everything that he needed to build his church on earth in the people that God had created. The ones that called upon his name, the ones that allowed him to regenerate their life, he said, you are the ones who are going to continue this work. It's as if Jesus was like, here's the baton. And from the moment the first church came into existence, when the Holy Spirit came, the church has been passing that baton on from generation to generation to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
at the end of the passage that was being read out to us. It was like, guys, you are the witnesses of these things. But wait here, wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's going to give you this power. This is the power that resides in the church and it's not of our own doing. You see, it is Jesus Christ that builds the church. We are those that work with him, that co-labor with him, but everything that happens to us is through him. I'm not saved because someone shared the message of Christ with me, so to speak. That's how it was delivered. But it was through the power of the Holy Spirit, the understanding, the revelation of God, that I needed a saviour. And the power of salvation does not come from man. It comes from the Spirit of God. As much as I believe in my head, as much as wise and wonderful the messages are that have been delivered to me over the year, the thing that saved me is my faith in Christ. Because the power of God came and he washed away my sin and made me whiter than snow. The power of the risen Christ So let's have a look at a couple of verses there. Luke 24, 48 and 49. That's on there. And Acts 2, 1 to 4. Let's look at that one. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The birth of the church. The birth of the church. And this was only made possible because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He said very plainly, I need to go to the Father because I need to send another, the Holy Spirit, and he will come and he will give you power to be witnesses here on earth. Jesus had to rise again. Jesus had to go to the Father so that another could be sent, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent to you and to me, those that believe in his name, so that we could have power to be witnesses on this earth. What I love is that when we read about Peter's revelation, that Jesus said, and the gates of hell, the powers of hell, shall never prevail against the church. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he's saying. He knew exactly that as he started building, he knew the cost. The cost was his life, but he also knew that the work would be finished because he could foresee the church of God as they lived on this earth, being empowered by his Holy Spirit. Let's be so grateful today that Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that we also might live forever, that our sins are forgiven on that cross, that his body was whipped, that it was wounded, that he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes that we are healed. But let's also celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because he could see that from that death, this cornerstone would be laid, the first of many to be resurrected to new life. And upon that, here today, we have living stones sitting here 
that are being added to that. What a joy it is, what a great occasion it is that we can today remember again that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Is not that worth a hallelujah? Come on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Yes, Christ is risen. And because of that, each one of us sitting here has new life in him. Those that have called upon his name those that have named Jesus Christ as their saviour. And I want you to be encouraged that Jesus said this about you as part of his church, that all the powers in hell will never prevail against it. Jesus Christ has set a firm foundation and he has promised that his church will go on and on and it talks about his government, his kingdom, being without end and increasing. Amen. (laughs) Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your goodness and we thank you, Lord, that you rose again from the dead. Today, as we head out, help us to remember the power that has been released in us through your Holy Spirit. Let us not neglect it. Let us not take it lightly. But, Father, let us move in your power. Now, maybe this morning you've come here and you've never actually named Jesus as your saviour. But you know there's something missing in your life. You know that you need a change. You know you need to be forgiven of sin. You feel the weight on you. I just want to give you an opportunity to pray with me and, and just invite Jesus into your life. If that's you this morning, let's pray together. Father God... I'm so sorry for my sin. I thank you that Jesus not only died for me, but that he rose for me so that I could have a new life in you, free of sin, free of shame, free of guilt, free of burden, through your Son. Today, come into my life. From this day on, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a beautiful day. I think we're singing The Blessing. The Blessing, what an awesome song. As you're singing it this morning, just speak this out over your children, over their children. Speak it over your family, your friends. Speak it out as they actually mean it. Let's see this nation change for Jesus Christ. Eh? Let's, let's bind together in prayer. And this is one way we pray is in our song. As we're singing this song, if you just grab hold of it as a prayer, you begin to think of people that you love, that you know, people in your workplaces, your friends, people in your sphere of influence that you want to see saved. You put the picture of them there. And you.